Hey, Scott here with Grace Bible Church. Before we get into this message, I just wanted to thank you for streaming this sermon. We pray that each week you are challenged by who God is and what he has done for you. Now, this is never meant to be a substitute for you to be an active member of a community of faith. If you live in the Hollidaysburg area, or if you're in town for any reason, we encourage you to gather with us on Sunday mornings for our word and worship. You can learn more about what God is doing through our church body on our website, gbclive.org. So, if you've been tracking through this Healthy Church series, it has been a road for a while, and we are entering into the last installment. This is our last stop along the way. So, this church puzzle thing that's over there, we are putting the last piece on, and it is growing one another. Discipleship. So this week is just like the introduction. We're just going to be laying some groundwork, and it is the need for discipleship. And some of that may seem obvious, and I hope that it is, but some of it may not. And we are going to take a look at some texts and hopefully put some foundation and some groundwork in place so that we can build off of that and uh, know what it looks like to disciple and be a disciple. So of course, if we're gonna start all of this, we gotta define some terms. What is discipleship? Or what do you think about when you hear discipleship? Leading others towards Jesus. Leading others towards Jesus. People coming together to refine each other towards knowing God better and reminding each other of the gospel. Okay. So the gospel is part of that. People are part of that. Coming together. Is this discipleship? Like... The setting? Not necessarily. Not really. I'd say there's different aspects of discipleship. Um, a relational discipleship is how I would probably title what um, Chris and Laura just said in regards to um, helping people, not just leading them to to Jesus, but like obeying Jesus mm -hmm. and um, finding out people aren't reorienting back towards obeying. Okay. Definitely relationships involved in that. Yeah. Almost half. Mm-hmm. 
I love it. Break the word down. Training people to follow someone or something. Okay, work and perseverance. Is anybody being discipled or discipling others? You don't have to raise your hands. So it's sort of funny because just like church membership, discipleship doesn't specifically show up in the Bible. And really, the word disciple or making disciples isn't talked about outside of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. So, don't get caught up on terminology because the, the, when we talk about di discipleship, we're not just talking about the disciples. This is a pattern that we see throughout all of Scripture of showing people how to follow Jesus. Or before Jesus was there, like, what did it mean to be God's people? And who was God? And what did he do? And then what do they do? So we've already sort of established this is not a Bible study. It's not just a transfer of information. It's not a lecture. It's not a, a teaching series. So this wouldn't really be considered discipleship at all. I guess if this had a different context and a different place, maybe, uh, like if it was three people around a table or something like that, maybe it could start to take that form, but teaching like this is not discipleship. And I, I heard a couple of different people sort of mention that there's there's life aspects of this. It is imitation of life and um, how the gospel sort of plays into different aspects of your life. So it has to do with who God is, the good news of who God is, what he has done, how that transforms who we are, and then motivates us towards how we do the things that we're doing. This is a lifelong process. So discipleship is not a, so we didn't necessarily talk about like the time period that you would be in discipleship. But we are all in some version of discipleship. So <clears throat> the process of us reorienting our lives around who Jesus is and following his model is something that is going to be a continuous process. That's not a six-month or six-week or a two-year thing. Um, and that is a constant process. So there's so much I want to say about discipleship, and I'm trying to, like, stay in my lane a little bit because I'm just trying to lay the foundation. So... Um, let's go to our main idea. Our main idea is that none of us is perfect 
And we all need to grow as followers of Christ and help others to do the same. Incredibly simple, yet amazingly complex all at the same time. So we have this idea that discipleship is going to involve everybody. And it's a growing process. And I like that, that imagery because growing doesn't sort of have a defined time period. Growing is, is something that will continue on and take shape in different seasons of life. And I think that that, that gives us a good idea of what we should expect in that process. And, and the growth is something that we'll talk a lot about over the course of the next couple of weeks. So we're going to take a look at some scripture and try to identify some patterns that we see and components of discipleship so that we have some sort of like framework of what this actually looks like. So Matthew 4, uh, verses 18 through 22. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. That would be Jesus saw two brothers. Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. So this passage takes place towards the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And we see Simon, Andrew, the sons of Zebedee. And Jesus says to them, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. So these guys had an occupation, they were fishermen, and their response to Jesus was obedience. So let's go to our next passage, Matthew 9, verse 9, we're going to be in Matthew a bunch, so. Just be flipping a couple pages here. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. So in this verse, we see Matthew, the writer of this book, by the way, sitting in his tax booth, going to work in his normal day, doing his job and he is called by Jesus to leave this so Jesus approached him while he was in the midst of what he was doing tax collectors were pretty wealthy they were had a secure job they worked for the government of the time and um, not necessarily well-liked 
because they were making a lot of money off of these other people that were laboring. So um, he was pretty secure. He didn't, he didn't have to follow him to gain something um, material, didn't, didn't need to gain wealth, didn't need to gain status. Um, but you still see that same thing that you saw with the fishermen of an obedience. So one thing we need to address, which is glaring in these passages, is does this mean that we need to quit our jobs or walk away from our other responsibilities to rightly follow Jesus? Yes. <laughs> Clearly. If you're called to quit your job, yes. He might want you to use your job. So we have yes, and we have maybe. <laughs> I just want to make sure my parents are okay. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. No. Yeah, I the was answer, thinking of that passage. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is no. Um, that's taking the verse out of context and putting yourself in that place, which would be a great opportunity for you to go to a Bible study workshop. <laughs> So these specific men in this specific period were called by the Messiah for a specific task that they were going to. If the Messiah comes to you and he says, follow me, do it. But that's not what you're supposed to read or get out of this text. If you read that, and you say, I need to leave my job and go into ministry, otherwise I'm not following Jesus, you are ignoring other sections of Scripture. For example, 1 Corinthians 7. Let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to them. Or Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. So, obedience isn't the same thing for everyone. It's not always leaving your occupation to go be full-time ministry. So we are to follow Christ in whatever we are doing. It's a heart posture of recognizing that we are serving Jesus and not man. We are following him in whatever he's leading us to do. We should be reorienting our lives around the gospel. Please see those differences because that is huge. John 12 <clears throat> verses 25 through 26. We're going to look at some more characteristics here. Whoever loves his life and loses it. Now, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will, be, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Okay, there's a lot going on there, but we're going to... 
make some connections here with the next passage, Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. Then Jesus told the disciples, If anyone would come after me, or follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So what we see here is a component of discipleship is sacrifice. So following Jesus requires sacrifice, requires service, willingness to take up your cross, die to yourself and your desires, and follow him. And you can do that in many different ways. So in these passages, we see that picture painted of following Jesus looking like a love for Jesus and serving him over a love for this life and serving yourself. Especially in this Matthew passage, holding on to life leads to death. However, putting your selfish desires to death leads to life. There's not anything in this world that is going to sustain your soul. A life following Jesus sustains your soul. (coughs) So, made up a little summary slide here. So based on these texts, what we see here is Biblical discipleship looks like obedience to Jesus, denying ourselves, serving Jesus, and being willing to follow Jesus even unto death. we should put this in the new members class Mm -hmm. is it easy to follow Jesus no it's hard to do these things it requires intentionality and other followers of Jesus to help you in this I don't know if you guys were here for last week, but but Adam had this um, picture, and it, it, I don't even know what you would call it. It was like a it's like a trajectory board, and like if you were one degree off, showing like how you went off into like the wrong direction. But that constant reorientation is something that is 
part of that discipleship process. And the body of believers helps each other in that process. So I keep picturing in my mind, like, man, you don't, you don't start to go in the wrong direction, go back, and then you're like, oh, I'm good now. Like, no, it's like a... <laughs> like, you're bouncing all over the place. So we need each other to help us follow Jesus. I was not ready to change that yet. <laughs> this also draws us to what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? Because we can say that we follow Jesus or even so much of this speaks to like what we've talked about with conversion and um, the gospel and so many other sections of this Healthy Church series. But um, can you say that you follow Jesus if you are not actively involved in discipleship, being discipled by others and dis helping other people to follow Jesus? This is where we see the beauty of the body together. This is where we see the growth taking place. And to truly be following Jesus involves a constant confession of sin, repentance, turning from those sin, and reorienting ourselves back to Jesus. In all of life. I think parenting is a, a good training ground for that too. Which we sometimes forget. We're getting there. <laughs> I feel like people are reading my notes. <laughs> all right. So, our next passage Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. That's right, we couldn't go discipleship without talking about the Great Commission. But whenever we go to a familiar text, we run the risk of missing what's actually there. And commonly this is in reference to missions, which is a part of what the church does. Um, but we miss some of what Jesus is saying when we just look at it and see that. So let's read it. Verse 16, now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus states that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. That's a huge statement. And if Jesus has all authority, so if we believe that that's actually true, then we should be obedient to what he says and we need to submit to him. 
And then from that authority, he instructs his disciples to make more disciples. And we do that by baptizing them. Those that turn from their sin and proclaim the gospel. And then we teach them to follow Jesus through all that he commanded. That sounds like all of life. So often we get caught up in the all nations part of this statement, this passage, um, and we miss some of these other components to what he's calling his disciples to do. Um, And I don't want to overlook that because I think that's a beautiful picture of our body. If you think about this, we are part of that all nations. We are here right now on the other side of the world 2,000 years later. He didn't say this to us. He said this to people on the other side of the world a long time ago. And we are here right now because people were obedient to what he said and they proclaimed the gospel and they taught people to follow him in all of life. And we are to do that too. So that 2,000 years from now, people are still doing this. People are still leading other people to Jesus and follow him in all of life. So this doesn't necessarily mean that you need to move to the other side of the world to proclaim the good news. Just like it doesn't necessarily mean you need to leave your job. But don't miss the end part. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're not doing this on our own abilities or through anything that we have. We are doing it with Jesus. So when you're sitting around a table with people, showing them what it means to follow him in all of life, he's with you. He walks with you in that process. That's awesome. So when you feel like you don't have that ability or you are inadequate or you can't do that, the guy with all the authority says, I'm going to be with you. So who needs discipleship? Everybody, all of us. I feel like that was too easy. <laughs> Moving on. All right. Matthew 9, 10 through 13. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, They said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, 
For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So. Discipleship is for the broken, the sick, the lowly, the hungry. They need the healer. They need the one who's going to give them life and sustain them. This verse, in case you didn't catch that, is right after he calls Matthew, the tax collector. So in discipleship, the goal is not for us to fix people's problems. Those that are discipling have problems too. Don't wait to disciple until you have it all mastered, because that ain't going to happen. This is a walking through life together to follow Jesus pattern. And the goal isn't, I've got it all together, and I'm going to help you get it all together, because that's not reality. We need each other to walk and show each other all the things that Jesus commands and help us in our obedience to that. So the answer to discipleship, who needs discipleship, you guys knew it right away, is everybody. We all do. <clears throat> We've all fallen short. And we walk together pointing each other towards Jesus. We need to be willing to disciple those around us. And we also need to be disciplable. I don't think that's a word. But I'm going to use it. And that's big too. We can't, we can't puff ourselves up. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They thought they had it all together. We don't need to be discipled. We don't need Jesus. We're righteous. No. We all need Jesus. We all need to follow him. So verse 13, I like when Jesus pulls out scripture and throws it in there. Uh, go and learn what this means. You guys who study scripture all the time, go learn what this means. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. You're like, that's not what that says. That's what it says in Hosea 6.6. 6. It's not about what you bring or what you do. It's not about the self-righteousness that you've conjured up. It's about the mercy of a holy God and the grace that he shows to save his people while they're sick, while they're hurting, while they are weak. He is the one that heals. He is the one that gives life. So in discipleship, it's not look at me, it's look at him. Look at him. Matthew 19, verses 16 through 22. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do 
to have eternal life. And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. And if you would, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Huh. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me when the young man heard this he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions would anybody say this guy's a Christ follower but he kept all the law This is the same idea of what we just talked about with the, the self-righteousness. So I would challenge you. How much are you giving to Jesus? Especially in our culture, following Jesus could be an add-on be a thing you do on the side you know I go to church on Sundays or I give them two hours here or I go Wednesday nights maybe or do this or do that <laughs> but how does Jesus fit into all of life you know the workplace where you spend 40 or 60 hours out of the week in your friendships question I want you to think about. Do you think about every single area of your life through the lens of being a follower of Jesus? <clears throat> Marriage. Parenting. Work. Friends how you spend your time, how you spend your money, how you use your resources. So much of discipleship builds off of the other areas that we've already talked about with conversion and membership and discipline. We are transformed people. Our citizenship has changed. We are not citizens of this world. Our allegiance shifted to the kingdom of the Most High God. We are adopted children of the King. And we have our eyes fixed and eagerly waiting the return of a Savior.
to establish his kingdom here. And we want everybody to come. We want our people around us to come. They, they gotta hear about this. You are trying to satisfy yourself with all these things. I got something that's gonna satisfy you. And that leads to evangelism. And that leads to bringing your friends to church. And then that leads to everything. It flows out into every aspect. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at what that looks like to have that incorporated into all aspects of life. But I would encourage you to take a look at what area of my life am I not handing over to the Savior? Where am I not saying I need to follow you in this? What relationships are you not having him be a part of? So our main idea is that none of us is perfect and we all need to grow as followers of Christ and help others to do the same. I have a short clip here at the end where I think um, Mark Deaver uh, speaks a little bit about how discipleship fits into the church model and how that fuels everything that takes place within the body. One thing I've been saying to a lot of pastors today about the nine more weeks, or several times today, um, positively, what are we wanting to see? You know, we call this thing, what's wrong with us? Okay, what, what should be marking our churches? Friends, what should be marking our churches is a love for God and a love for others, particularly those we've covenanted with in our local congregation. So five distinct things that some pastors care about one and not the other, I would suggest all go together and positively should be making up a lot of what we're doing in our churches. Discipling, evangelism, raising up leaders, church planting, mission. Some pastors seem to really like one of those things, or two of those things, but they don't seem to understand the connection in that whole thing. Like they like evangelism, but they're not on church planting. Or they're all about missions, but they don't really see elders raised up in their own church. So friends, I just want to suggest to you that this, the, the little germ of it all is what you see there discipling, but it's me helping somebody else follow Jesus. So if I claim that I'm following Jesus, but I'm not helping other people follow Jesus. What do I mean by claiming I'm following Jesus? So, you know, if I were to confront you like that, I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just wanting to know what does it mean to follow Jesus if you're not helping anybody else follow Jesus? Because the biblical view seems to be that if you're following Jesus, you're going to help other people follow Jesus. So that's the sort of discipling aspect. That's the easiest way, a fellow Christian. But then if you learn to do that and that becomes common, then it's much more natural for you to be thinking about your non-Christian friends, even beyond your, your family, your own kids or, or immediate family. Think about how you can be sharing the gospel with other people to help them follow Christ. Well, then if you're doing that, it's not so surprising that you're going to start to see elders and leaders raised up in your church. Because you're going to start to see people who have a track record of being fruitful at this and good at this, and that's going to tend to, tend to replicate itself. 
And then if you see that, you're going to be ending up with too many people in your church who want to preach. And you're going to need to be starting other churches. So you're going to start to be having church plants. Not of dead limbs that you stick someplace else because you have this odd sense, I should plant a church. But because your church is actually growing. Not just in numbers of people sitting there listening, but in numbers of brothers who are called to preach God's word. And you're going to want to put them out to start new churches in places where they're needed. And then you're going to see, okay, I can not only do that in my own city or county, but I can actually help do that around the world in other places. And that's what missions have been from the Great Commission till now, starting new churches as the gospel goes out. So positively, what's wrong with us? A lack of that germ where we realize that for me to follow Jesus, it is natural and normal for me to help other people follow Jesus. And that's true about every Christian in our church, every man, every woman, or whether or not you're a deaconess or a deacon or an elder or a pastor or on staff at a church. That's just what it means to follow Jesus. All right, that's my basic idea there. So discipling, evangelism, raising up leaders, church planning, missions, it's all part of the same basic thing. That's the positive prescription going forward. one thing I, I don't know why you started over again <laughs> so <clears throat> I think it's pretty cool how he ties all those things together um, and discipleship and discipling one another is the means by which the health of the body the church grows um, so as we sort of walk through this I just pray that uh, keep it an open mind open heart um, let the scripture and the spirit work in you um, in whatever that means. So um, next week we'll be talking about the motivation for discipleship.